My brother keeps a human head in his closet. I hope I don't end up that way. This thing, it's gonna follow you. Somebody gave it to me, and I passed it to you. It could look like someone you know, or it could be a stranger in a crowd. It could look like anyone. <laughs> Santa Claus only brings presents to them that's been good all year. To the ones that ain't done nothing naughty. All the other ones, all the naughty ones, he punishes you. See Santa Claus tonight, you better run, boy. You better run for your life. Bring me one of those chickens. You got money to pay for it? You paid for it. <laughs> no, but we're the king's men. So, you got money? Not a penny. I'll still take that chicken. You don't seem to understand the situation. I understand that if any more words come pouring out your mouth, I'm gonna have to eat every chicken in this room. You lived your life for the king. You're gonna die for some chickens. Someone is. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. Early Christians believed that Bagul actually lived in the images themselves and that they were gateways into his realm. I am seriously positive these were not here. How would we have, like, just made a campsite in between three piles of rocks just by coincidence? <laughs> you don't think this is strange? Hello, welcome once again to Dark Discussions, your place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm exhausted. How are you? Same. Uh, And in the Commonwealth of Virginia? Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Good. Excellent. And a Connecticut American? This is Chrissy. Chrissy, how's it going? Um, I think I'm in Mike's camp with exhausted. I'll go with that. <laughs> but good otherwise. Excellent. So uh, for folks who are curious, because some of our listeners are always curious when we record these episodes, such as one of our listeners named Pam, uh, we are recording this June 16th, 2022. Uh, because sometimes uh, episodes aren't released immediately, though this one will possibly even be out tomorrow or the Friday of next week. But it'll be out within the next seven days, if not tomorrow. Um, so for folks who have stumbled upon us and are curious who we are, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. It's a website that includes numerous podcasts as well as news articles and whatnot. It also has uh, an email where you can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us menu choice on the website and that will open up an a email box that you can email us that way as well. Uh, we will read your emails on the podcast. So if you have uh, anything that you uh, want to uh, give us feedback on, such as our review from last week's film or a film that you saw that you thought was interesting or anything else, just email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com or press the contact us link on darkdiscussions.com. Uh, Eric, what else can people find on darkdiscussions.com? 
Well, they can find a link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to our online artists like us. We do have to pay for stuff in order to do this show, including web servers and uh, website domain fees and movie rentals and computer equipment and so on and so forth. So if you would like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Excellent. And Mike, uh, what can people do on iTunes and things of that nature? If you go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, you can, wherever your fine podcasts are sold, you can leave us some feedback. Preferably leave us five stars or four stars or whatever rating it is, which will help raise our profile and get us more listeners. Because if you're suffering, they deserve to suffer, too. Indeed. So we appreciate all that. Uh, so uh, that's pretty much our house cleaning. Um, uh, I do want to uh, just bring up one thing of note quickly, because I know, Mike, you'll probably want to bring it up later. And I don't think we'll have time to talk about things at the end of the episode, because I assume we'll have a lot to talk about. But uh, a comic book uh, artist slash writer or someone like that just died. You know Tim Sale. Details? Don't okay. know the details, Tim Sale. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's six um, years old, right? Yeah, I don't know the details. Uh, I follow uh, artist Bill Sinkovich on Facebook, and he, I saw him announce it. Uh, he said he would share details at a later date. Um, I know he was apparently sick. Uh, he was a, a pretty big comic book artist for a while, but usually drew more high-end graphic novels. Um, was responsible for things like The Long Halloween and Dark Victory, which had a lot to do with uh, influencing some of the Nolan trilogy. Uh, but you might know him, Phil, because he was also the artist that did most of the artwork on the TV series Heroes. Oh, Remember, there was yeah. the artist yeah. who like painted the future, so that was mostly his artwork yeah. from that. Yeah, yeah, they, they had those uh, cutscenes with the with the the comic art. Yeah. Right. Um, oh yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, that guy that that could read the future and he would draw comic strips. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. And that was his right. work. I, if I remember that. correctly, that was his work. Um, yeah, and that's actually, we've lost a number of big comic artists this year. Um, uh, Neil Adams was one, and uh, George Perez was another. Tim Sale was another big one. So, it's been a pretty shitty year, and you know what? It's only going to get worse. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, time goes by, and people get older, and things happen. Yeah, so, we, we, uh, we just lose people. We never get them back. We do not. We just go. Right. It's it's very strange, that infiniteness about it, but it's true. Yeah. Um, we, we've all uh, lost parents here, so, so we all know, or maybe not you, Bear, but the rest of us have. So we, we all know how it works. So um, let's uh, rest in peace there, Tim Seal, and uh, I guess we can get into our topic tonight. So, uh, Eric, uh, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight, we're talking about the new blockbuster movie currently in theaters, Jurassic World, colon, Dominion. <laughs> Blue, had a baby. That's impossible. Hey, girl. You look just like your mother. I promise you, I am going to 
Genetic power has now been unleashed. We made a terrible mistake. The doomsday clock might be about out of time. You coming or what? A baby raptor? I made a promise we would bring her home. You made a promise to a dinosaur? Yeah. Why? Everybody hold on to somebody. That can't be right. This carnivore the world has ever seen. Run! See? Not so bad. That's right. Uh, uh, Jurassic World colon Dominion. Uh, is a brand new uh, film uh, directed by Colin Trevorrow, who uh, was um, the director for a little bit, but then fell out of favor, but is now back. Um, his new film here uh, is a screenplay written by him and Emily Carmichael. Um, the two uh, have brought back together not only the stars of the Jurassic World franchise, uh, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard, but have brought back uh, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Sam Neill as well uh, from the original Jurassic Park series. Uh, the film uh, is getting mediocre reviews at around 30-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so uh, let's go around how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. So let's start with you, Chrissy. Um, okay, so... I obviously have been looking forward to this for a long time because I'm a dinosaur freak. Um, I saw this twice uh, and that was simply because Nathan couldn't go with me and my other friends. Like we had planned this whole thing. So I ended up seeing it two days in a row. Um, but I was glad I did because there were things that I'd missed and I had to give things some more thought. Um, I did want to mention, I saw it the first time in the Dolby sound and that was amazing um, that in, in our theater, it like, I don't know about you guys, but it like goes under our seats and everything. And I just loved that. I could feel the dinosaurs like roaring in my butthole and like that just made it such an amazing fun time. The second time I saw it, it was in the IMAX 3D. And I just have to say, I did not feel that the extra money was worth it for that. Um, the sound was really kind of tinny and thin and I didn't feel that the 3d, I, I thought I actually saw the dinosaurs better and more clearly in the Dolby than I did in the IMAX. So I just wanted to throw that out there in case there are any listeners trying to make a decision. Um, I would go with Dolby. Um, in my experience, you know, once you get to the number three in any freaking franchise, you're kind of on thin ice anyway. Um, or number six. 
Character yeah, design. well, this is number six, but I kind of group them by three and three. Um, but I never expect a third installment or the sixth one or anyway to be that awesome. Um, there are a couple of exceptions. I mean, if I'm sure we all on this podcast remember like Return of the Jedi and the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. You know, I thought those were exceptions. Three. Yep. Um, but, you know, that was years and years ago. Um, so... I kind of don't go in with very high expectations and I'm usually prepared for a disaster. Um, and you know, then it turns out to be not too bad. Um, this film I think had its problems for me, uh, but I really didn't think it's totally deserving of the panning that it's getting. I mean, Jurassic Park three doesn't get a lot of love either. Like I know fans really hated that one too, but there was a lot to like about that one. Um, because I've been saying for years, the reason that Jurassic Park three did not do well is that it did not have an adventure film structure. That film was structured like a horror film. So, you know, fans went into it expecting one thing and they got something else. Um, and I think that was part of the problem because I just rewatched that the other day. And again, I was reminded this is not a terrible movie. I don't know why everybody – I think it was better than this one, to be honest with you. Um, there were a lot of things I liked about this, a lot of things I didn't like. Uh, my favorite thing about it was just that it was a total dinosaur orgy. Um, on average, you know, there was dinosaur stuff like every 10 minutes and that was what I wanted to see. I wanted to see tons and tons of dinos. And so in that sense, I thought it was great. It was the orgy I have been waiting for, for six movies. Um, there was one scene that gave me nightmares for several days. So that was a win. Um, I cried twice, which I wasn't expecting, which was also a win, um, I enjoyed the cheesy romance stuff because I like an adventure movie that has romance. I'm a girl. That's what I like to see. Um, and I liked that we had older adults in a romance, too, which you don't always see uh, in an adventure film. I love the Easter eggs because that was kind of a game. Um, and I thought that of the score for the th last three films, that this score was really the best one. Um, but on the flip side, I thought, there was some heavy handing going on. Um, I thought the script was a little loaded on the back end. I thought some of the stuff was some of the language and some of the lines were just inorganic and forced um, or dropped in there because I don't know why. Um, I thought the story was more complex than it needed to be. And I don't know. I'm half in and half out on some of the action sequences. I didn't like some of the, as you know, Bob moments. Um, I know they were doing that for the sake of people who maybe hadn't seen the other ones, but I was kind of like, yeah, that's kind of amateurish. They know better than that. Um, I also think there was a couple of missed arc opportunities. Um, but, and I also liked the cute babies, the cute dinosaur babies. So there's my thoughts. Spoiler free. Total. So I'm going to say I liked it, but, you know, I, I see it for what it is. I guess it's the best opinion I could give. All right. Sounds good. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Um, I enjoyed the film. I thought it was pretty fun. It gave me what I wanted. A lot of dinosaurs, uh, a lot of action. Um, I, You know, I don't go into it expecting more than that. Um, and I thought it was just fun. I saw yeah. it in the... 
uh, IMAX 3D. Um, I kind of agree on the, the visual part of it. We had really good sound, so I can't say that. And I didn't see it in another theater, so um, I actually probably needed earplugs. It was so loud in our theater. Um, so the whole room was shaking whenever there was a dinosaur. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's of course, a Jurassic Park movie. Um, you get what you expect. Uh, so take that for what it is. I do think it's getting hit way harder than it deserves. Um, so there you go. All right. Sounds good. All right. Let's go with you, Eric. Eric. Sorry. I was muted. Uh, yeah, I disagree with Barrett and Chrissy. I thought this movie was pretty bad. Um, it gives you some of the stuff that you want. It gives you some dinosaurs. Um, it gives you some action. Uh, but they took the the dinosaur franchise and made the main plot not about dinosaurs. So I'm not sure where that decision came from. Um, there were a couple things I liked about it. I, I really enjoyed seeing Sam Neill and Laura Dern again. Um, You're going to go into that however, later, right? You're going to go into why you think it's yeah. not about dinosaurs later. Okay, I yeah. need an explanation on that. Because the, the, the plot is not about dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> it's about something else. Uh, yeah, we'll get into the whole thing later. That, that's um, what I'm asking for. <laughs> However, uh, I think that having Sam Neill and Laura Dern back um, did a great disservice to uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt and really highlighted the chemistry they don't have on screen. Um, so the whole movie I'm watching these people going, well, why am I reading for these people? Um, there were most of this movie bugged me. Uh, there were a couple of cool dinosaur moments. Um, of course the production value is awesome because they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on it. Um, but as a whole, I thought it was really, um, overly complex uh not really what i wanted out of a jurassic movie um the acting was good the acting was fine and i really enjoyed the new the new character we met uh the pilot kayla i liked her um but really um by the end of the movie all i could concentrate on was how bad i had to pee because it was so overly long and uh if this movie was a pizza it would be pizza by Alfredo's. <laughs> so, yeah, I did, I did not like this movie a whole lot. I, I probably won't be revisiting it. All right, sounds good. Uh, office uh, analogies are always good. Um, okay, so for me, um, I went to see this film uh, with my youngest daughter, six-year-old, after we watched, uh, similar to Chrissy, uh, Jurassic Park 3, um, which actually, actually, I I uh, was impressed. It was much better than I originally remembered it as. So I agree with Chrissy. Um, for this film here, uh, my daughter, yeah, she loved it. She liked, uh, she likes all the scary stuff and dinosaurs and stuff like that. Uh, for me, uh, I'm kind of where where Eric is. Um, a lot, a lot of things bothered me about the film. Um. As a quality film, I mean, it's well done, well acted, well scored, and all that. Um, but I, I put it in similar to the last couple of Godzilla films that 
I didn't really like either. Um, but this one bothered me because this was technically related to a concept by Michael Crichton. And I, I had problems with the ecology uh, where invasive species and the protection of dinosaurs and all these other things when deers and wolves and maple trees are getting destroyed and killed off. And, um, you know, I mean, we, we've seen what happened with rabbits in Australia. So, so things, things like this, that kind of bothered me a, a whole lot um, in this film. And, and I just couldn't remove that problem um, because it's trying to make environmentalist stuff about dinosaurs when they're invasive species and they're killing off the normal predators and the normal uh, food for the predators, as well as the trees that are used by birds. And you know, it's just, it was just upsetting to me. Uh, so I, I didn't like the film much at all for those reasons. But if you're here to just see dinosaurs, um, it, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, and it was good to see Sam Neill and Laura Dern again. And uh, Jeff Goldblum, too, though I do think they misused Jeff Goldblum uh, in the film. Um, and uh, Pratt and Howard were fine, though uh, I do see Eric's point about their chemistry may not have been as good as, say, in the first and second films in this new franchise, the, uh, the Jurassic Worlds. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I uh, wasn't too much a, of a fan, um, so that's my opinion. Uh, let's go with you, Mike. Yeah, so I saw it opening weekend, um, late showing, Saturday night. I have a very, very low threshold when it comes to giant monster films and dinosaur films in general. Um I'm trying to think how I can... I liked it for a lot of the reasons that Chrissy will point out. There's a lot of dinosaur porn in here. Uh, my biggest gripe with it, and I think Eric makes a whole lot of, of points um, that I, I want to get into more later. I think if I have one real gripe about it, it's that I don't know that I walked out of here clinging, clinging to one moment. Like, we always say that uh, I often say that like the Spielberg does good set pieces. Lost world was not a good film, but it had some pretty awesome set pieces. The, 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 the Jeeps or whatever, the trucks going over the edge of the uh, cliff, the velociraptors in the tall grass. Uh, there were, those are some great set pieces, the dinosaur stampede. Uh, there were some great moments in three. There were some great moments in four. I think that five is a terribly written film, but I think that uh, it had the best direction out of any of the films that weren't directed by Spielberg. And so it kind of felt weird and it had this great kind of horror movie atmosphere, despite having a really thin story. This one, I don't know, like if I walked out of here, like, was there like that one great dinosaur moment? I think maybe one that I can think of that I really kind of went away going, oh, wow, that was awesome. Um, there was a good dinosaur moment, but there's a lot of dinosaurs thrown on the screen. I think the quality, the quantity may have hurt the quality because I didn't feel like any of the new dinosaurs got like any sort of uh, personality to them, the way the T-Rex and the Velociraptors did and the Dilophosaurus did in the original film. Like, you got the Dimetrodon, which is there and gone. Uh, the Giganotosaurus was, was mentioned, but 
not really developed. And we saw it, and we saw it a bit, but it didn't really make it anything other than a T-Rex with a, a different skin on it. Um, so, yeah, it's very mixed. Like I said, I liked it because it's dinosaurs eating people. And I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll keep saying it. If this was a movie that started out with originally Steven Spielberg, but now Trevor, uh, Colin Trevorrow stepping out on the screen and saying, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you dinosaurs eating people, I would have been fine with it. Because uh, that's, that's, my, that's my jam. Uh, I liked seeing the old characters again. I thought they did about as good a job as you could integrating the two together. I do have a feeling... I would need to watch it again, but I was starting to notice this at the end. Jeff Goldblum doesn't appear on screen with the other characters a whole lot. Even in scenes where they're there in the same room together, he's often not in the same physical space. So I have a funny feeling they did a lot of shooting around Jeff Goldblum's schedule and just sort of like gave him pickup shots. And when other characters are on screen, they just had a body double that you shot from behind. So I have a feeling he wasn't actually there most of the time. But I would need to double check that and see if that was the case. And I like Bryce Dallas Howard. I really do. In the first film, she feels out of place, but she's supposed to feel out of place. Here, she's not, and she does, and I don't know why, if that makes any sense. And it's not just whatever chemistry she does or doesn't have with Chris Pratt. I just never quite could buy her as this uh, animal liberation woman living out in a cabin i I just she still comes across as being the character she was in the first film and she just feels awkward in her own skin and i I, and part of some of it's i I can't explain why put my finger on on it as to why um I, i i was half expecting a twist reveal about the new character that didn't happen and i don't know if i'm happy it didn't happen or disappointed it didn't happen because I was expecting it, but man, it would have been an eye roller. Uh, but we'll get into that too later on. So put me as somebody who's kind of mediocre on this. I probably would put it near the bottom of the Jurassic films. But if you like dinosaurs eating people, um, there's dinosaurs eating people. And so if you like dinosaur porn, and I like dinosaur porn, uh, it's worth watching for that. All right, sounds good. So, um, Eric, do we have a wiki or IMDb? Wiki, wiki. Uh, four years after the destruction of Isla Nublar, dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. This fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on the planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures in the new era. All right, sounds good. Yeah, that's actually what I was uh, expecting originally because I was thinking it was going to be a dinosaur apocalypse and Mike uh, cleverly uh, reminded me to keep low expectations on that. So after seeing the film, I was more worried and concerned about the wolf, the deers, and the maple trees and not... You know that there were only like a few dozen dinosaurs that were released, and this is only like five years later, right? So, uh, well, there, there, was a whole, there, there were several islands with dinosaurs that could have, you know, gotten elsewhere. Who knows? Yeah, but we only yeah, saw I mean, like there are a whole bunch of stupid in this movie. That's one of them. Yeah, I don't agree, but that's fine. 
All right, sounds good. So, um, all right, so the folks who are new to the podcast, stumbled upon us, or those who have been with us since the beginning, um, what we do here on Dark Discussions is that we not only review films, but we critique and dissect them as well. So, uh, basically, um, what we do is we throw a spoiler up later in the podcast, and so you will be warned, and then at that point, we will talk about everything and anything related to uh, the film, including spoilers and specific scenes and all that jazz. Uh, but before that, we usually uh, do just uh, general knowledge stuff um, related to things about the film, whether it's dinosaurs, whether it's Michael Crichton, whether it's uh, Sam Neill or Jeff Goldblum or Laura Dern or someone else. Uh, but uh, we'll talk about general stuff at first. And so uh, the first thing I'll bring up is that uh, at Trivia last night, they had a Jurassic Trivia round, and me and my kids swept it. We, we, we beat everybody by 300 points, so it was awesome. Nice. Yes, yes. Um, all right, so let's get into uh, things about the film. So, um, yeah, I, I, I oh, did not... Yeah, oh, yeah. okay, you'll start. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say that um, I went in blind. I hadn't seen any trailers. I didn't even know that it was getting bad reviews uh when i went into the film i, I just didn't have time to even look or care because i said well, i'm seeing it anyway so who cares and um uh that's that's really uh the only thing i wanted to say so uh Do you know the the, the the tomato score is that i'm assuming that's critics uh crit yes. i got both of them uh, critics is 30 percent and fans or or regular reviewers is 76 percent and that makes sense. This is a fan, look. There's a lot of fan service in this film. Yes. Whatever you think yep. of it, good or bad, there's fan service there. If you're a fan of the franchise, there's things to like. If you're trying to watch this objectively, detached, dispassionately, not as a fan, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that is sketchy. So I, I, this is a case where I completely understand the split. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Eric, you were about to say something. I, I was just going to see uh, that I thought it was <laughs> like one of the more entertaining aspects of this movie for me is that the evil CEO was clearly Tim Cook. <laughs> that, that made me laugh. Nathan oh, yeah. thought it was supposed to be like uh, Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. It, it was way more Tim Cook. Dodson. Than Steve Jobs. We have Dodson here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's interesting, too. I definitely want to talk about that because that was just. I have some issues with that, but yeah. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about that at some point. I, uh, I just, uh, one of the things I thought it was funny is because if you're going for evil CEI, CEO guy, clearly Jeff Bezos is the, yeah, the prime model. The guy who took over the company after the people who made the company successful have died. That, that feels definitely more, t- <laughs> you know, everybody to their own, whatever billionaire you don't like I, I can be him. I, I, All I, right. I, if we can move along. One, yeah, thing I would say, aside. one thing I would say about the evil CEO character. And I do kind of agree with, it's interesting what Eric said, but also I sort of found it interesting that he wasn't necessarily the stereotypical, like, let me show you my greed, like, so obviously, like, at least it was a little bit, 
interesting. Like for me, I think it was very effectively presented that, oh, well, maybe we can trust him at first. You know what I mean? You don't like you always know who that guy was. And I found out I kind of liked that they didn't like here I am. I'm an asshole like right out of the gate. Like you kind of had to just go with it and go along for the ride rather than the big mustache twirling. Like you kind of, you know what I mean? Like the characterization was a little bit different and I liked that. I'll, I'll tell you what, I watched the trailer after I watched the movie and had I read the synopsis that I just read out loud and seen the trailer and then gone to see this movie, I would have been super pissed uh, because they, I'll totally mislead you as to what the actual plot of this movie is. Yeah. Um, and that's bullshit. <laughs> I don't know that I remember seeing a plot in the trailers. Yeah, it just, um, I don't, that's what I'm saying. But I'm saying it's, they I don't remember seeing like what the plot the was. Stuff in the trailer. Yeah, Eric, I mean, Eric the, you may be right. I mean, the problem to me is that the plot... But, the plot is entirely a MacGuffin. Um, I was a little irritated at the plot at first, and then they completely forgot about it. Uh, so, not really. We'll get to it past spoilers. I was going to say about the CEO. They didn't hit you over the head with it, but I already knew because of every other movie. It's always about an evil oh, billionaire. Yeah. So, yeah. I, you okay, know, no, I, agree, still, I still wasn't surprised. But, yeah, I agree with you that they didn't hit you over the head with it for sure. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I, I knew he you know was going to be a bad guy. That wasn't what I was saying. I just liked I appreciated that the characterization, at least, wasn't the same old shit. Right. That exactly. was really well, yeah, I mean, I, I actually um, wasn't expecting him to be the bad guy. I thought he was friends with, with all those folks or was planning to be and then so they they tricked me well enough and then my issue was is after they tricked me and he was the bad guy i was like oh that's interesting and then, then he dies and just zip away or whatever and then he just becomes Sorry. and then he just becomes the regular uh right. evil you know crazy guy and it's like okay yeah. now he has the stereotype that that All right because there's a there's a looming natural disaster Involving something that Biosyn, which is the which is the new company, is involved with, and um, at first it seems like maybe there's people assume it's an evil plot, and then maybe it sounds like it's not really an evil plot that it may just be something that got away from them, only to turn out that wah! I expect you to die, Mister Bond. You know, it just goes full on kind of. Right, mustache right. twirly and now it is dodson he's a middle management supervillain, so he never has like the grandiose nature of you know of that I, I mean, I, I, right. of the charisma and but he's also not trying to be that he's not trying to be the megalomaniac um i feel like they did a weird turn with uh another character who they had been setting up to be a villain for the last two films and then suddenly found his heart off screen between films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, which, which is, I, I have to be honest, was a plot point I completely forgot about. And then somehow it just came unbidden to my, to my mind while talking. Um, so, so there's that part of it. I think, yeah, it is a, it is a cliche. I've mentioned this before on when we've discussed this franchise, one of the changes I really liked from the novel Jurassic Park and the film Jurassic Park 
is Hammond was the mustache twirling villain. By the end of the, the, the book, he's going, well, if, you know, we are going to bring the dinosaurs back and give the world entertainment. But if it's only the rich kids who can afford to go, who cares? We make money. Blah, ha, ha. And so you're rooting for him to die at the end. And they make him into a total dick. And I like the fact that they make him a much more altruistic character, if misguided character, in John Hammond in the film. And I think they could have kind of found another balance here because, yeah, the evil billionaire is a massive cliche. Um, but that's that. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and and I will uh, say, I think Dodgson was a loose end that needed no tying up whatsoever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's why um, when yeah, we get I mean, into... They had the mini... They... They had the, the mini villain in the middle, played by Deshaun Lockman, uh, the the woman that ran the underground um, dinosaur black market. Um, <laughs> and then her, she just disappears, and and that was an unfortunate plot <laughs> right. point that just, you know, because she was an awesome villain, I felt. And then oh, she's, she's gone. gone. So yeah, but well, she was a better villain just, than the main villain. Right, yeah, sure. and, yeah. and my money of. My, my money says that she's either going to pop up on Camp Cretaceous or in whatever their plan is for the next Jurassic Park trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Which will, be, which will be, I guess, Jurassic Solar System. As the dinosaurs settle on Mars. <laughs> well, so, I did kind of want to talk about um, Dodgson once we get to the spoilers. Part. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, we all want to talk about stuff past spoilers, so we want to get there. Yeah, sure. All right, all right. So let's uh, throw up uh, the spoil work at this point, um, and uh, we can talk about everything and anything now. So uh, the spoiler is up. So we can talk about anything and everything. So who wants to start? Uh, I'll start because what I've been dancing around the whole time is that my huge problem with this movie is that it's the dinosaur movie and the the main bad guy is Monsanto <laughs> the main plot revolves around locusts it's like what what i what yeah i, I felt that too Eric. Mm-hmm. who thought this yeah, was because, a good idea well yeah. and the reason i felt that was a problem was because if you have giant dinosaurs that are out there wreaking Havoc. You think that would be as much of a problem as as the locusts, and and everybody's and, more worried about the locusts than the dinosaurs, and that was kind of weird. I felt. Yeah. Uh, invasive species are mostly problems. Like when you get things like gypsy moths, you know, things that are uh, or cane toads in Australia or rabbits in Australia, things that are small that don't have natural predators and that can reproduce like fucking crazy, and even a, like you know. The giant dinosaurs reproduce really slowly. Even, you know, velociraptors are going to reproduce slowly. And I think there was only the one. And even the, the reproducing right. seems like a little bit of a cheat. But that was established, at least in Jurassic, in the other Jurassic films. So fine. Um, now, compsies, compies, the little tiny dinosaurs, them becoming an invasive pest species, that would have made a more, bit more sense. You might have had to sketch the timeline a little bit, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice for... Uh, some more dinosaur carnage. But, yeah, it's just, I think here's the I, problem. I think here's the problem. This has to do with um, 
the nature of the genre. As long as there's been films, there's been dinosaur films, right? Going back to like Gertie the Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And people, and there's nothing people generally like more about dinosaurs than dinosaurs eating people. They want humans and dinosaurs in the conflict. The only thing they might like better is when they get to see dinosaurs and dinosaurs or dinosaurs and like large mammals, which, uh, which would, there's <laughs> one, which was the, like the Allosaurus versus the, 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 the elephant. Uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the red and one of the Harryhausen films. Um, so the problem is that we are at a point when there's, it's very hard to put that situation to play. And that's the brilliant thing about Jurassic park is that it sets up a brilliant scenario to give us humans and dinosaurs together mm-hmm. and, and Jurassic world fulfilled that promise by giving us that fully functional park with tourists in it, as opposed to the pre-functional park. And every other film is an exercise in, but we told that story. How do we find a way to tell it again? And I think where we really run into a problem with this, now that they've got the dinosaurs in the world, is they realize at some point, people come here to see the dinosaurs. They don't come here. They don't come here to see Chris Pratt. Bryce Howard or uh, Sam Neill or Laura Dern or even Jeff Goldblum Goldblum. or you know that they're not there for them they're there for the dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and people like the dinosaurs right that was a surprise with Jurassic Park and why they tweaked the ending a bit to bring the the T-Rex back because people liked the T-Rex so much the T-Rex that had been trying to eat these people for (laughs) like a 20 minutes they have to turn him into the hero because people like, and people like the Velociraptors so much, they turn them into the heroes in Jurassic World. They have to make up bullshit dinosaurs in the last two films, which I am kind of glad they didn't do again, because they did the Indo-Rex and the, and the uh, Indo-Raptor here uh, in, the se- in the second film. They didn't come up with any new fictional dinosaurs. So that way we can have a villain dinosaur that's not a real dinosaur, so it's okay to hate it and to kill it. And here they are We've got dinosaurs, but we, people don't want to see us hurt the dinosaurs because we've, they're now seeing them as animals as opposed to monsters. And so now they have to have another villain. And, and that's, because, yeah, that's one of the weird things about this, this series of movies is, is, is that they have uh, painted the dinosaurs as, as, as sympathetic um, when they're trying to eat people. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, in, in, in this particular movie, uh, it is a little bit different in that the the monsters are out into the big wide world, and I thought I thought they could have taken better advantage of that situation. You know, instead of showing us Chris Pratt hurting whatever the hell those things were in the middle of nowhere, uh, you know, uh, show me what's happening with the dinosaurs in New York City. Uh, that's that's what I wanted Ooh, to see. That would have been awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, my and problem is that. Like Malta was the closest we got in that movie, and some of that stuff was okay, um, but for, and for the most part, I, I thought it was a lost opportunity. And also, uh, I don't care how many environmentalists are protesting, I find it really hard to believe that the military would not immediately take out these large uh, carnivorous beasts. Right. Even the non-carnivorous. Send in a couple fighter jets, and it's done. Because, oh, yeah, you, because you, even you, the you non-carbonivorous are, are killing off all the the 
herbivores because they're stealing all the food from the herbivores, like deer and, and whatnot. Well, yeah, you're bringing a, you're bringing a couple me. of Apache hot attack helicopters to take care, to go all King Kong 76 on the brontosaurus, you know, that's, it's going to happen. That's why, that's why these aren't taking over. That's why, I mean, the things that would have a chance of surviving would be the velociraptors, because they're relatively yeah. small, and the, and the compies. But I, I think we all, let's be honest, this is, this is the alien problem, right? Where alien problem is, if they get down to Earth, if just one of them gets down here, that's all, that will be all, right? We've been doing that with alien, and we just, can we just get the aliens to fucking Earth, please? And Jurassic Park was this thing like, what if the dinosaurs get to the mainland? Well, Apache helicopters. But, but other than that, they would take over the world. It's like, no, nah, not really. But you want to see that, though, way, don't you? You do want to see them take over the world, way. don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I totally want to see them do that. So, okay, I'll pretend that we have attack helicopters. And we can pretend that they take a long time to reproduce. I will take that just so I can see, you know, just so I can see an Iguana Don marching down Times Square. I, I'll, I'm willing to go and, there. And, and we'll also pretend that there's actually something for the brontosaurs to eat in the Sierra Nevadas. Or there's that too. Um, but I'm, listen, I'm willing to forgive. I think a lot of the audience is willing to forgive a whole lot of stupid science in order to say dinosaurs in the modern world, right? I think we can admit that 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 is a place we're not only well, are we willing totally to does. suspend disbelief that yeah, we are paying to suspend our disbelief. Shows that to be true. Yes. Yeah. But 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 Mike, that's where Eric was right because if they didn't show the dinosaurs killing wolves and ripping maple trees down and stuff. And yeah, instead the focused on the dinosaurs. straight for the maple trees, Phil. Which is what they did. They showed the brontosaurus at the end, ripping down all the maple trees. <laughs> but the, the problem was is that they should have had the dinosaurs in New York City going down Times Square and eating people. That's what we – and then I wouldn't even cared about the environmental stuff because then I would have been thinking this is more like Rampage or, or uh, something <laughs> like that. You know, so that's what I wanted to see. And instead, they were doing this environmental thing, which was weird because it was actually contradicting environmentalism based off of all these invasive. Well, things. and I found it to be weird, but I also found it to be lip service to like maybe these younger generations like Nathan and I were talking about it. And first of all, we were laughing our asses off at the end. You know, I, okay, I did not like the opening newscast at all. I saw no point to that. I was like, okay, now we're going to seat you all down and describe what you're looking at. And it was just like, okay, we didn't need to see that. And I know my friend Bruce was like, well, they needed that for people who, like, never saw the movie before. I said, no, that's bullshit. Because basically the way they have set up this movie through trailers or whatever is like you guys just said, dinosaurs in the real world. We don't need a newscaster coming on there and, you know, describing like, it was just too telegraphy. It was like, um, oh, you I'm know, sorry. I mean, it was like, stupid. It didn't need to be there. And, and also you could make these, well, nobody knows about Biasin. Okay. But then you wasted Ellie and Grant because they could have, talked about bias in between them because their conversation really didn't amount to much. If you think oh. about it, you could have put that information in there. It wasn't necessary. Then you have this heavy handed environmental thing at the end with like, Oh, and the horses are running with the Parasaurolophus. Okay. First of all, horses kill other horses that come into their thing. So they're not going to let a fucking dinosaur in there. 
I don't care what oh, you Oh, I don't think they could do much to the The pterodactyls are going to eat the fucking geese. The mosasaur are going to yep. eat the fucking whales. Like, that's just, I mean, I know we're being silly Everything's going to die off. It's just, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> like, trees, I was like, Eric, it's like, trees. oh, we all need to coexist. And I think you guys are right. The message we need to coexist should have been between the dinosaurs eating people and how humans survive, not... Oh look, the mosasaurs and the whales are playing together. No, <laughs> like no, because that doesn't work. Like no. I wanted to see how humans were going to adapt yeah. to this situation, and we didn't get that. So I kind of agree with okay. you. I guess is what I'm saying. But it was all an excuse to do some heavy-handed message about respecting nature. I was like, all right, whatever. Like I didn't need that, but okay. But I guess <laughs> well, I think- the younger generations do. I don't know. Whatever. As uh, as David Bowie and Bing Crosby sang in the creepiest Christmas lyric ever, every child will be made to care. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is that is that's the goal here. And if we can't get you to care about wolves and horses and deer and antelope, we will make you care about the Tyrannosaurus and Velociraptor and a Hadrosaur. Right, but- but, but that that's where I had a problem because it's trying to give I that message. I get and, it. And yet yet that contradicts everything that environmentalists you know, that that's why they're killing the geckos yeah. off and, and boa constrictors off in Florida because they're invasive species. They kill right. off I get the, it. The, I'm the not I'm, I'm not arguing right. I mean that that was the whole point in the uh of Jeff Goldblum's, you know, in the first film, right, with Sim saying, you know, right, that twice. you know he that he brought them back. Right, you brought them back. They were gone, and you brought them back. Right, yep. nature had de- had they had decided their fate. Right, it's be- so yes, betraying Michael Crichton. It's betraying. So Michael Crichton. Uh, I don't think it's getting a lot of money. <laughs> well, and I do also think, well, in that sense, you guys. I mean, I did enjoy. I gotta say that the CIA had a dangerous species division. Oh my God. Why didn't they use, do something more with that? I was like, dude, I want to follow these fucking people. What do these people do all day? Like, <laughs> well, that, that was know, so weird they're... because the CIA is the bad guys and, and they're making them pretend they're good guys now in this movie. It's like, what? Well, but it was, it was just interesting to me. I was like, okay, so you have a world now where the CIA has to have a dangerous species division or maybe, or the FBI, or it was the CIA in the movie, but it still. Was the CIA, yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay, so this, like, yeah, yeah. now this would be interesting. Why aren't we following these people? This would be really cool. And it almost felt like they were like, okay, well, the CIA is working with these, you know, this dinosaur underground market. That to me was very interesting, and I and I think they could have done a lot more with that rather yeah, than this weird the movie thing was about the, the locust that, that really that really didn't right. connect. And and I was like, but, okay, but you know what, Chrissy? You what? know what, Chrissy? Though they did the underground dinosaur thing in the last movie. That's what they were doing. They're selling the dinosaurs in the black market. Right. But to agree with Mike, though, I did not. I mean, I enjoyed Fallen Kingdom a lot. But and I don't even remember what I said on that episode that we covered. But the more I've seen that movie, the more the tonal shift of that really bothers me. It's like 
couldn't we have just kept them all on the island with the lava exploding? Like, I would have been right. happier with that. And it right. was a direct shift. And, and when Nathan and I left, he said to me, you know, it's kind of a shame that they didn't roll the third movie. Like, in other words, take that that second half of Fallen Kingdom and make it part of this one and then kind of shorten this up and go on from there. Like, wouldn't it have been interesting if the dinosaurs, this one, just for the fuck of it, I'm just going to go through it. So this one, it opens with the stupid dinosaur auction. The dinosaurs get loose. Everybody goes, oh, shit. We see the world going to hell. Then they have to get Grant and Ellie involved for some other reason. Or they have to get Ian involved for some other reason. And narrow it down. That would have been more interesting than this big, long thing that went on for a movie and a half. You know what I mean? It doesn't even make sense that you bring in the old characters. And I mean any of the old characters. Because, I mean, who are they? I mean, you have a guy. They're guys who just survived the park the first time. Um, other than that, I mean, they don't have well, any special expertise pro- that any other paleontologist would have. That, well, that's right, not but- true. That's not true. The reason Hammond chose them specifically in the first movie was because they're the, they're the, the lead experts, the three of them. At the time, in the field, in dealing with fake dinosaurs, he wants to see if they, they're, they recognize them or how, you know, he wants their seal of approval. But... That's very different from we need someone to break into a facility to find out how to kill genetically engineered locusts or how to actually deal with living live dinosaurs interacting in the current environment. Those are completely different circumstances. But we understand why they do that. Same reason we're allowing dinosaurs out in the wild. Because as much as I know I said we're there to see the dinosaurs, there is a certain thing of saying we're bringing back the old crew, we're bringing back the new crew, and we're putting the two crews together. And that's a cool moment that they have at that point in the film when they finally do meet up. Um, I think a lot of people, it was the second film, right, where they where they, they showed Ian Malcolm's coming back, Ian Malcolm's coming back, Ian Malcolm's going to say three lines in the first two minutes of the movie and you're never going to see him again. And piss people off because of that. Well, I did. <laughs> well, I didn't. Go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I didn't have any issue with the older characters being here. However, having them there, as I said, uh, like, I, I really enjoyed having them there. And, like, through the through the whole movie, I'm like, oh, boy, I hope Sam Neill and Laura Dern hook up before the movie yep. is over. Yep. And it just made me realize how much I did not give a shit about any of the other characters in the movie. I don't care about Bryce Dallas Howard. I don't care about Chris Pratt. I don't care about their genetically created daughter. I don't care about any of it. And I thought that was a the, the issue with the movie. Well, I think, um, you know, Eric, what's interesting is on Ellie and Alan Grant, um, I thought the sexual tension between Ellie and Grant was still kind of there. You know, it Mm -hmm. was a relationship that had not yet been resolved, and we had been waiting for that resolution. Um, And and it was a little bit... It was a little bit softer than I liked it, but it did keep within the mood of their relationship to each other in Jurassic Park 3. Mm -hmm. And, And I mean, just to watch Sam Neill act that scene with the shift in his eyes when he sees her 
and you kind of see the hope in his eyes and mm-hmm. and it was and you also see that this is an older couple that's getting a second chance so you have a lot of tension there mm-hmm. and i'm i'm get i am making my point here as to why i think the tension was kind of dead with the other couple there's a sprinkling of adventure films that reunite the characters as older people and that's not a negative judgment i'm in my 50s so after all these years i could identify with them but we were expecting them to hook up. And so the tension for us romantically with Ellie and Grant is, is Alan finally going to win her back? Are they finally going to connect? Uh-huh. The problem when you have Owen and Claire is that their arc has been very different over these three films. Their relationship is resolved. So it's not even necessarily a lack of chemistry because, like you said, in the first film, the tension between them was a lot better. Why? Because they hadn't fucked. I mean, we all remember the X-Files. Once, once Scully and Mulder fucked, it was just like, why am I watching it this over. anymore? Right. It was done. Years, <laughs> so, lighting. Yes. There's a long so, list. There was a different kind of tension that was established with Ellie and Alan. This was a lost love that we were really hoping was going to get back together. Whereas Claire and Owen, there really was no other way for them to go. They either had to resolve completely and be together like they were in this movie, or they had to be permanently broken up and you can't do that. Oh, are they going to get back together again thing? Because it's been going on the whole series, right? Cause in the second movie they were busted up. So <laughs> I think that that was part of it and not necessarily the chemistry between them. I think it was probably more um, the way that they were written. Um, but clearly too, I think. Ah, I think Ellie, yeah. Ellie and Grant scene though, in terms of romance was really much better written just from a romantic perspective, because there was so much that was said in tiny little movements and tiny little like he takes down the photo of them when they're younger he's like oh shit you know like i don't want her to see that so he's trying to cover up the fact that he still pines for her he offers her a beer which not only tells us that he probably drinks more than he should but also that he might drink because he's lonely but it also tells us that in his reconnection with her, he doesn't truly feel like any time has passed between them. And all of that is said without him really saying anything except, do you want a beer? Whereas with Claire and Owen, it's this very like, we're here to protect her. It's this because their role in the story now is we need to protect Maisie. And it's completely off their romantic focus. It's about them becoming like surrogate parents, if you will, instead of let's bonk. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking it, but that's just kind of what I thought about. So as far as the lack of chemistry, I think that was it. I think it was the tension was different. Oh, I think the the, the, the beer also was when she points out it's only 10 in the morning. We all recognize that that also emphasizes his nerves, right? That, Yes. He's oh, got yes. the jitters, yes. doesn't know what to do. And and like I said, so this is this is it's Chekhov's romance that that, you know, what he's Chekhov says that if you introduce a romantic subplot in the first film, they have to consummate it in the sixth film of the franchise. 
is how that happened. Uh, well, and I will say this, Mike. Um, what's interesting too is that we never got to see Alan and Ellie kiss ever. We didn't see them kiss in the first movie. It's nope. kind of assumed that they're going to. I mean, she embraces him at one point because she's frightened, but that's it. So we never actually got that kiss. Their relationship, which ended, was referred to after the fact in Jurassic Park 3. So we never really saw that. Um, but I will say this, though. Why was Ellie wearing a white bra under her white shirt? Like, did her mother teach her nothing? <laughs> like, flesh-colored bra <laughs> under white shirts, ladies. Hear me now. The whole idea is supposed okay. to be. Yeah, okay. that bugged right. the I, shit I, out of me. I was, I was like, I was oh, like, my God, I can't watch this stage. scene anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I, did I would my like talk. to clear center stage and introduce to the podcast, Mr. Barrett Heisner. <laughs> You've been quiet for an awful long time, yeah, sir, talk, probably because you can't get a word in edgewise. What would you like to say about this movie? Oh, I got nothing to say now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting into an argument or discussion about this movie. He's just, he's just, he's just thinking about lingerie. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that I went to where fun went to die right now. So I'm, I'm good. <laughs> now, I did think it was interesting that first hour of the film, I'm like, wait a minute, am I watching a James Bond film? That's what I thought it was. Like, well, I'll tell you what, Mike, in the, in, the, in the Malta sequence, there were the chase scenes when, when the Raptors were chasing them on the, on the vehicles, right? Uh, very reminiscent to me of Born Ultimatum, um, or whatever the second one was, not Identity, the second one that Paul Greengrass directed. Um, and it also had some of the same problems for me in that everything was so kinetic uh, during the action that I couldn't quite keep track of what was going on. Like it was all happening so fast that like by the time I registered one thing was happening, the next thing was happening. Um, um, was that just would, me or did anybody else have that issue? No, I completely agree with you, Eric. I felt that it was going so fast, um, which was very, I mean, it was very exciting. It was structured like a roller coaster ride almost. And everybody in the audience both times was screaming and like we were on a thrill ride. So in that effect, <laughs> it worked. But I agree with you. I felt like, Jesus, can we dial this back one set? Like, I got to focus on something like it was going so fast that I almost couldn't grab anything and i was like what just happened there which was why i was glad i saw it a second time because when i watched mm -hmm. it a second time i was like oh okay that's what he did there you know it was i completely agree and i'm glad i'm not alone because i thought i was just crazy but i, no, guess I I'm totally get the amusement park ride because it's like if you picture yourself on the vehicle going through and then you turn the corner and oh whoa, you got to go through the dinosaurs fighting each other and then you go around this corner. Oh, and there's a raptor coming down, going boo. That would be a hell of a ride, man, on a roller coaster. Going, I mean, it was fun as fuck. Like the scene was fun. It was so fun. But I was just sitting there going, okay. And when it was over, like I was out of breath. I was like, holy shit! Like, and I loved that. It was so much fun. But I do agree with Eric. It would have been, I guess, if you slow it down a little, so you could see more. Though you might lose things. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, you might lose that thrill ride effect. I don't know. But I like, I mean, I like that. Uh, scene. Maybe. I just... And I, I, I don't make movies. So what do I know? But it was that really was good. That was but, just my experience. But people um, don't make movies to make movies. They make movies for people to enjoy. And if you're not enjoying it, then something's gone wrong. 
Now, well, the, the, I, the, I wouldn't say I wasn't enjoying it. I, I just was a little lost. Now, now uh, I, I want uh, to get the dinosaur of it all. <laughs> I want to change the subject here and bring up the the airplane scene. Um, I know we had a problem with that uh, back when we did World War Z and people surviving an airplane crash. I guess at that point it doesn't matter, but it it stood out a little bit. I felt well, but you know what though? I mean, honestly, we are dealing with like Barrett said. You know, we were supposed to go and have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, of course they're not going to climb out of a plane crash in real life unscathed. But you know, whatever. It's an adventure film. That's what it's for. Um, I was. Well, let me ask you this, Chrissy. What was why, why did they do stuff like that? Instead of what Eric suggested, which is dinosaurs attacking the big city. I don't know. I don't know. Because they like... don't want, as I said, they don't want the audiences. The audience, they think the audiences don't want to see the helicopter shooting down King Kong. They don't want to see human beings killing dinosaurs, which is basically what you would end up having. And that's that's it. Right. They had so they that's that's why the villains are always going to be, you know, it's the poachers. You know, there's there's always so the 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 smart thing I guess with the third film is that the villain is more or less non-existent. I know there's bad guys kind of in it, but they get killed off kind of quickly. The goal is not to die; is just oh, to, to survive yeah. the dinosaurs and get off the island. And that's yeah, yeah, the, that, that's and so it's the, that's the obstacle to overcome. You don't have, you know, um, and actually the same thing kind of with the first film. You've got Dennis Nedry, but he's gone pretty quickly. Um, but the, you know, this film, the 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 last film, the film before it, there was always some sinister force in the background, whether it was the soldier who's training, you know, wants the the Velociraptors for um, military purposes. Or in the last film, where it's the uh, the underground bidding war for the dinosaurs and the genetic manipulation, and they also have to create fake dinosaurs for this, so you don't feel so bad because these are man-made evil dinosaurs by a corporation. So these are terrible things, as opposed to the other dinosaurs that were also man-made by a evil corporation. Yeah, it just. <laughs> but I, it's now I don't know. Now I don't know that they're right about this. I, I'm that I can't say I, but I have a feeling that's their impulse is that people root for the dinosaurs. And if you make the dinosaurs, the problem, you, you, what do you do? Right. The dress, the, the, the T-Rex running through San Diego. Pretty mm-hmm. easily solved. There's a military. I agree, base with you. In San Diego. I agree with you, but I think it would, I think they're wrong as well. I think people would be okay. If it's like the carnivorous ones that are getting jacked by the, Military. But who, are the, who, who are the who are the who are the most famous dinosaurs in Jurassic Park? Yeah, but they have like two That's others it. in this that are major carnivores that you you know you probably okay with dying. So they could have had yeah. more. I think some people want to get back at the Spinosaurus still if they had brought that back because it killed the T Rex in Jurassic Park three. No, but Barrett does have a good point because at the end, right, the two dinosaurs that kill the meanie dinosaur, and you were supposed to cheer that. So they did have those bad dinosaurs that people wouldn't have cared if the military had to shoot them down. 
I, I actually appreciated the, the Therismosaur scene. Oh, my God. That was the scene that gave me the fucking nightmares. Serious nightmares. Oh, I had real problems with that one. Yeah, I had real. I was like <laughs> seriously up all night with that. I thought that the, was well. The reservoir play, the one, one. Yeah, the, ice? the the there is in a so, and oh, no, that. Not the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah the one with the feathers. Yeah, the one. With no, the, the one that had. Well, it has the feathers, but the one has the really... fingers. Right. Edward oh yeah, yeah, yeah. a handosaurus. Edward Scissorhandosaurus. I have uh, no yeah, idea yeah, what yeah, that. Yeah. I had. I'd never seen that before until this yeah, that's movie. A, so yeah, that's a relatively recent discovery. They really only figured it out, Barrett, like kind of what it was, is there was a, I'll just do this quick um, and not give you too many details, but there was a huge discovery. They had found one in like 1995 and they had had some, I think in a fossil egg, they found some little ones too. But then in 2005, they found this, like this whole I don't even know what you would call it, um, a site, I guess, where there were a ton of these Theras, I can't even pronounce them, Thera, whatever they are, um, in a watering hole, like around a watering hole. And they had all tragically died at the same time. And like mm. before that, they sort of only it was a, pieces. It was the first comet cult. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, they were all that, wearing magic sneakers. Yeah, they only had like pieces of them or something. And then they kind of concluded because I guess when they first found these fossils, they thought that this animal might have been carnivorous. But then when they made this discovery in 2005, they realized that they were probably omnivores at the very best um and that they probably mostly stuck with things like you know plant life like they were more herbivorous than originally thought and also turtles i think there was like i'd have to ask my friend bruce but there's some connection to turtles because of those long claws that they have um uh like they're probably used more for um i want to say like you know, a sickle, like to be able to, at least that's what they thought in 05. Like, in other words, it wasn't really, they weren't really weapons of defense. As far as they know, they were more like sickles for cutting down things. There's species of turtles that have these, I guess, and they use them for sex. Um, There's male, male painted turtles and redded sliders. The, the males swim by the females and reach under and tickle their chins, and that's a turn on. Okay, yeah, right. that, yes, yep, I think that's it. And, but anyway, so that's why this dinosaur is so fascinating, but it probably would not, like I said, have hurt a, a person, but I just thought they did a really good job of a nice little horror movie scene. In yeah. the middle of this. It was very scary. For some well, reason, it reminded me of the alien in Alien Resurrection. I don't know why, but something about it just creeped me out in that way. See, the thing yeah, I like I about it... The, the, the fingernails. That was just weird. It was like... It is a weird-looking dinosaur, which is why they had trouble figuring it out in the first place, because it didn't seem to fit any kind of known body plan at the time was an entirely new group. Well, well it's, not, it's not even fingernails. Those, those are actually like spike fingers, fingers that are spikes. It's just, it doesn't seem like it would be a real creature that actually existed, but I looked it up and it did. And it was like, that's yeah, it weird. Does. 
And but what I liked about it, and I, I know I've said this on the podcast before too, but it's just we've always had this. Like you said, the word the mean ones, you're right, the meanies. And, well, they're carnivores, like you know, dogs and wolves, cats. Wolves. Yeah, right. And they always portray the herbivores as these, as the kind, gentle creatures, like hippopotamuses and rhinos and wildebeests, you know, which are all horribly dangerous creatures. And so oh, I like the idea that the most dangerous animal that they kind of come or one of the most was an herbivore, was a therizosaur. Yeah. So I appreciated that, you know, that there's no reason to think necessarily that uh, like a velociraptor would be necessarily all that much of a threat to a human being, especially if they were at their real size. They might be dog-like. Who knows? Um, but it, things just have weird temperaments. And, like, I've handled well, lots in, of in this universe, mistakes, like and they, some are just nasty, and some in, are very gentle. In this, in this universe, they, they made Veraciraptors. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real carnivores. I mean, it can't, you know, if, right from the book that Crichton wrote. So they they weren't going to be just like dogs, you know, or cats. Oh no, but I just like the fact that they broke that stereotype with that creature. Right. Just yeah. because Even it's if, an herbivore doesn't mean it won't take a bite to see. <laughs> well, that it won't take a bite to see, or that it won't uh, just just be very touchy and defensive. Right, you look like snapping turtles are snap are are mean and aggressive for a reason. You know, it's it's, it's keep you the fuck away. You know, so that's yeah, they're the, nasty. That, they're those snapping turtles are nasty. Like they'll take your fingers off and shit. Like that's not screwing around. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, no, I've I've handled a lot of them, but part of it is that if you flip them over, there's a whole lot of meat under there. Their shells are top only. They're barely anything underneath, and they're like look little little chubby baby legs under there. That's good eat. <laughs> Um, so it makes sense that they're they're very aggressive babies I've ever denied that well and the other thing too um, Barrett I think the reason why that Therinocerosaur I can never say it right so I'm just going to go with Thera Um, I think the reason it was also very creepy Barrett my friend Bruce said that the way that they designed the eye on that thing, and that's like the on the creature, and that's like the first thing you kind of see, right? Is his head with the eye? Um, is that it's like a wall-eyed pike? And if you've ever seen wall-eyed pike eyes, that they're fucking creepy. Like they're creepy. It's so. Um, and I didn't make that association, but my friend did, and he said that was actually kind of smart. Because it's it's unsettling. It had kind of like that glossy sort of creepy, like almost ghost-like kind of look. And um, I think that might have added to the creep factor with that. Yeah, it was creepy. Well, that, that's why goats, even though they're the most gentlest creatures, their eyes are always used as demon <laughs> eyes because they're freaking have weird. Have you ever interacted with a goat, Phil? Yeah, all the time. We went to what happens in college stays in college. My went, husband raised <laughs> goats, and if he were here, he would he would talk about how goats are really not all that gentle. <laughs> They're assholes. He raised them. So. I, I've never, I've never, I know, I've seen them on goat when uh, I was young. You know, the ones that on the side of the mountains in the Rockies, and they're banging heads. But I'm talking about the farm goats. They are all kind of. I was that's why I farm goat. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had a goat at a petting zoo uh, literally attack me because he wasn't cool with me giving the feed to some of the other animals. He wanted it all to himself. So he literally reared up and like I had, I like turned my my back to him and he like slammed down on my back with his hooves because he was mad at me for not giving him all the food. Well, yeah. well, what, what I mean? meant was their eyes, all right? Whether goats are bastards or not, their eyes are creepy, and that's why uh, they, they're all <laughs> they're <assholes>. assholes. Yeah, <laughs> baby goats are cute though. Unfortunately, cute. Yeah, baby yeah. goats and baby geese are both very cute. Unfortunately, yep. they get an attitude problem when they grow up. And I baby chickens baby are cute too, and then day. they turn into assholes. Like all these baby animals are cute. Oh, I do have to say, we did have this um, in the Sunday showing. For some reason, there were a lot of very young children there, like really yeah, young. What was that about? I don't know. Was it was it in your show too? Like it was like three yeah. and four year olds, like tiny tiny kids, and um, but there was oh, wow. It, yeah, really tiny. I was very surprised. Even Nathan was like, dude, I don't know if I would bring my four-year-old. Like, that's, this no, that was scared me. Ten-year-old, but, yeah. but like, I don't know if I'd go lower than that. No, yeah. there's scary parts in these. Yeah, very I had, uh, Oh, yeah, well, I remember the show sitting I, next I, to I me. I brought my six-year-old, and, and I, we had already watched Lost World and Jurassic 1, uh, uh, not uh, lost, not lost. Wrote out Jurassic Park one and three this week, and she was fine with those. So I knew she'd be fine with this one. Right, they, but they six, seven, seven, yeah. six and seven is a little bit better adjusted, though, Phil, because you've had the time to kind of get her comfortable. Like these kids yeah. were clearly three and four. That is way that's too, too young. That's weird. That is very yeah, weird. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. there that's, was that's this weird. one yeah, little Yeah, thing. I mean, Barrett knows, and Mike knows what I'm talking about, because I was talking about, I wanted my kids to see Halo, the TV show, and like the first yep. 10 minutes of the first episode, the, the kids' heads are blown off. And it's like, well, we ain't watching this. So we had... This is why you listen to Daddy. There was this three or four-year-old behind us, and... The, I mean, the kid was very well behaved, very quiet, which I was very surprised being that young. But like, he really kind of didn't understand what was going on. Like you could tell he didn't get it. But then, the like a baby dinosaur would show up, and all of a sudden he'd go, "It's a baby! It's a baby!" And it was like so funny because Nathan was like, "Clearly, this is the only thing in this movie this kid understands. It's the baby dinosaur." And the rest well, and of I, and like, I gotta what say. Is that? What is that? It's so funny. I, I gotta say, despite my dubiousness as to its existence, the baby raptor was pretty oh, cute. Oh, so cute. I, I just thought that was cute. I thought the little baby, like, triceratops or whatever that they had in, in the mm. video with Charlotte mm. was really cute. I mean, but it was just funny because this poor kid, he clearly did not have a clue or was scared to death, you know, he was screaming at all the right, but he wasn't crying, which was interesting. But then, like, he'd get all excited when there was a baby, because clearly he understood what that meant. And Nathan was like, I don't know if I'm having more fun with this movie, or more fun just listening to this kid trying to figure this shit out. Like, it was really cute. Well, I think that there's, there's at that age, they don't get story. No, right? not, not at all. Not to understand the whole locust plot. Yeah. All right. They just know, oh, look, there's something neat on the screen yeah. and there's dinosaurs. <laughs> but this is the reason why, because these are PG, PG-13 films. 
they don't want blowing up dinosaurs in these movies because they know that kids like to go see these movies and parents will take their kids to see the movies. That's true. And they had to point. And I'm the parents were not here that is PG-13. What happened to this generation? <laughs> Back in like 30 years ago, everybody would say, have the, the military fight in the, the monsters. And now... You know what happened? Do you know what happened to them? The fucking Land Before Time series. That's what happened to them. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> All right. Amen. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but I mean, there. that said, I mean... Barney. I, there is... Barney happened to them. Barney. Barney. Oh, my God. That's true. I mean, this movie did have a couple of themes other than the heavy handed environmental theme. Um, I thought the theme of identity um, was really interesting in here. I mean, the problem was all the latent themes they have were just too obvious. They were really heavy handed. But like I said, this is a dinosaur movie. I'm not expecting high art here, but I did enjoy that they we're talking a little bit about identity. Um, you know, it's it, what this film has to say about personal identity, about personal identity. Like the thesis statement, if you will, is that our identities can be impacted and completely altered by trauma, by shakeup. Um, I mean, even you can see that in, even though these newer dinosaurs are, do not have the personality. Clearly, Rexy still has a personality. Clearly, Blue still has her personality. And you could kind of see the impact of what these dinosaurs have been through very subtly on, on how that's changed um, who they are. Um, you know, and it kind of starts, and Maisie, you know, it starts with her having an identity crisis. You know, she keeps saying, that's not me. And and in a way, that sort of echoed what was supposed to be happening in their world that we didn't get to see enough of. Um, this world plagued by dinosaurs that, you know, supposedly we shouldn't recognize that world. Um, and it, it's also, I think, I know that this movie was made before the pandemic or they had done the script before, but it was just kind of eerie to me. Like how I'm like, isn't that interesting? It's like they could have really addressed the challenge of humans living in a changed world. And that would have been an interesting, very contemporary parallel to what we're sort of going through now or what we've been through in the last two years. And yet they didn't take that option. So I think there was an element of talking about identity and how trauma impacts identity in here. There were clearly themes going on about motherhood. Um, many, many things are said about motherhood in this. Um, yes. But yeah, um, that was so obvious. Even I picked up on it. <laughs> yeah, and yet, and yet, it was sort of the thing that I did like about it, though, because obviously I do see a lot of crap where there's like a lot of themes about motherhood, you know. And a lot of these movies always tend, no matter what they are, whether they're adventure or horror or something, they always tend to repeat themselves. And I liked that this movie was actually saying something a little bit different. Um, thematically, the questions underneath were more like, what does motherhood really mean? Like, is it by choice, such as Claire taking responsibility for Maisie? Is it simply because we can and not out of love, such as Blue having Beta? Is it because 
we can heal ourselves through our own progeny, if you will, like Charlotte, quote, fixing Maisie's genetic issue. Like, I actually think that this was exploring some deeper issues connected to motherhood that you really don't see very often. Um, and I maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I really kind of liked that. I was like, all right, I can jive with that. It's different. It's something different. Um, so anyway, that that was just my thought. It's like, although the, this movie had its issues, I think there were some interesting things going on still. I mean, there's always something interesting if you just look, but... No, uh, what, um, what did you what did you guys think of uh, the villain in this film and the villain in the very first original film? Both died from Dilophosaurus. I think that was very on the nose. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was a very obvious callback. To I have the Barbasol can. Yeah, yeah. oh, that's have, right. That was in the same scene. Yeah, you're right. If I have a pet peeve with the Jurassic, they lost it in both. I'm sorry, Mike. Go on. Yeah, I said, if I have a pet peeve, it's that with fans of the dress work is that ever since the first film, people have been like, oh, man, but the Barbasol can, but yes, the Barbasol yes. can, <laughs> but the Barbasol can. And it's like, dude, it had like probably a battery for 72 hours. It was buried under a foot of mud on an island covered with dinosaurs. It's done. It's gone. You don't need it. They have site B. They've explained it. They've stolen the dinosaurs they bought the dinosaurs they have no need for this whatsoever and they felt the need to bring the fucking can back anyway <laughs> just in case you didn't remember who the fuck dodson was this is me this is a thing that is a, that's irritated me and it just find like oh they finally had to check off barbasol can finally uh, <laughs> oh mike did I you just... did you enjoy it at the end of the movie when the t-rex stepped nicely in front of the circle-shaped waterfall to, to recreate the logo of the movie. That was one of the more eye-rolling <laughs> moments. That's up there with the time that the bat, that Batman flew his plane up to just perfectly position it in front of the movie <laughs> right. Right. to make the Batman logo. Um, yeah. Uh, what happened? What scene is this? I forget which movie that's from. That was in the 89 Batman the film. 89 so, Batman. Uh, which, which is the problem with this one? The so there's a source behind the circular waterfall thing. That, that has no purpose to be there other than to have a... So the, the <laughs> T-Rex... Hold on, hold perfectly. This film, there's a yeah. scene at the end, right, when, yeah. when the T-Rex is approaching the Giganotosaurus. Yeah, it's when, the, it's when the T-Rex is entering the battle zone. Right, yeah, there's okay. a circular sculpture. And the yeah. T-Rex walks behind the circular sculpture and for a moment is like, if you freeze frame it, he's, it's the Jurassic Park logo, except with the, the fleshy uh, T-Rex instead of the T-Rex skeleton. Yeah, so that's uh, what, that, so that was a cute little nod. And I was wondering how many people picked up on it from the conversations I've had and I've seen, I think everybody caught on those four year olds in the theater. They caught on to it. <laughs> and my wife was like, "Oh, look at that!" <laughs> so it was cute. That was cute. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really object to it because it wasn't. I didn't find it intrusive. It was just a weird little thing. I actually found it like just there. There was all sorts of weird stuff that happened in this film that you just kind of roll with it because you're on the roller coaster mentality. Like, oh sure, why not? The Lophosaur is in the. It, it made me laugh out loud a little. <laughs> yeah, it was, and you know what. This should never. 
these films at this point are not films that should ever be really taking themselves that seriously. I would love to see an R-rated dinosaur movie franchise where you can make it a real horror movie where you can blow the shit out of a out of a T-Rex or whatever with a with a rocket launcher. I would have no mm-hmm. problem with that where you can watch people getting torn apart by dinosaurs. That is not what this franchise is and is not what this franchise is trying to be. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> I will say there were some fun callbacks that were just fun. Like Ian with the fucking button in his shirt. Like everybody went crazy in the audience with that. So you could waving tell there the were torch. fans there. Waving the, the to- torch. Waving the torch. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Him saying, I'm, is that a dinosaur? You made a promise to a dinosaur. You bring a dinosaur on your back. Yes. Who is, can, can I, excuse me, San Diego, motherfucker, who was running around carrying the baby T-Rex? Oh, my God, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Oh, holy shit. That's and, funny. And, and can I say, I was, I was totally waiting, because they have brought back everybody. They brought back fucking Dodson. They brought back Henry Wu. They bring back the original cast. They bring back the new cast. They brought back the clone girl that absolutely nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> They brought them all back. Thank you. I was waiting because I don't remember the character's name because nobody knows the character's name because nobody cares about that character either. I was fully expecting when uh, Claire and uh, uh, Owen arrived with the pilot for the pilot to look over, see Jeff Goldblum and go, Dad? Because it was going to turn out to be the little gymnast girl. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That God, would have been awesome. Really, and I have no idea, because that would have been, might have been the second most painful moment of the franchise since she did the little flip around to, to yeah. kill the velociraptor. Um, so I, don't I know like the a, flip around to kill the velociraptor. Uh, I hate that scene. Talk about that. I love that, that scene. That scene it. always made me laugh. Well, you um, can go watch it by yourself, Chrissy. I am, and I'm going to masturbate while I do it, too. Oh, well, we'll have fun. Explain this flip around. When was, what scene was that? What movie was that in? Uh, a different movie, Bill. Never mind. <laughs> the gymnast scene in The Lost World where, the, the, where Ian Malcolm's daughter. Oh, is the yeah, yeah. That, uh, that, that I, so I was kind of expecting them because I couldn't remember the girl's name because, again, who could? I'm like, okay, so here's this girl. She's doing this dinosaur transport thing. You made Ian Malcolm made sure to mention earlier in the film that he's got five kids. Just as a reminder, he's got five kids out there. <laughs> you know what I did find interesting? It would have, but but what I found interesting is that uh, in I think the original uh, Jurassic World. Uh, Chris Pratt mentioned that uh, the training of the Raptors uh, was about developing a relationship um, and having a connection with them. And then we get to this movie and, and apparently you can just like do talk to the hands to any dinosaur and it will work. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of had, I mean, and then, and then Grant does it. And I was like, all right, I don't know how I really feel about this, but whatever, I'll write it. Going like, 
holy shit, why didn't I think of this in the first film? Yes, totally. He totally had that look on his face. Stop. Like, wow. Wow. But you could see his eyes. He's like, oh, I could do it too. Like, so, I don't know. I, there was I a- have the power. <laughs> there, But, you know, there was some other great callback stuff, I thought. And I know that there's a lot of Easter eggs in here that I missed. Like when the system... You know, they get up into the control room and, and Claire goes, and they have to shut it down this is the system we used at the park. And, and Nathan goes, oh, look, it's Lexi. Like, we, it's like all over again. We got to get Lex again. Um, but I enjoyed that. Like Mike said, that was fan service and it was fun. And I think my other favorite dinosaurs in this was the Demetrodons in the mine. Are those the ones that were in the mine? I, yeah. I will say that the, the one and only mo- moment in this movie that absolutely got me uh, was when Dr. Grant gets to the top of the ladder and one of those <laughs> things was sitting there. I jumped out of my fucking skin. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it was kind of cool. I was glad they did Demetrodons. They did another uh, it a Cynodon, one of the, because they're, they're Technically, night dinosaurs. They're they're early. Uh, was it uh, diapsid mammal? No. Uh, yeah, Bruce said they were related mammals. to something. They're mammal like, but but because they, I guess, in one of the trailers, there was a, a shot of the fin in the water, and oh, yeah. people yeah. thought, oh, the the they're bringing back the spinosaur. I I always wow. liked Demetrodon as a kid. So I was, yeah, I was really happy yeah. to see, I was like, oh, wait, why how the fuck did a dinosaur, did a spinosaur get into the mine? And then <laughs> right. turned out to be the Demetrodon. And I thought, oh, wow, cool, it's a Demetrodon. How the fuck did the Demetrodon get into the mine? <laughs> <laughs> um, but see, that was another, or something. Now, I know <laughs> Eric's ladder is an amber mine. Yeah, I would have been perfectly happy to, for Eric to have wet his pants if we could have just gotten a few more minutes with some of these other dinosaurs so they could have, or whatever, <laughs> creatures, so that we could have gotten a little bit more personality, a maybe more memorable scene from them. Like, I remember like I remember the scene from uh, the, with the Baryonyx in Fallen Kingdom. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was a really good scene. I did, uh, yeah, too. Yeah. So... I mean, there were, there's, this is just a, like, I don't know, this is a whole thing. It's a very well, silly. There were some fun moments in this movie, like the, like the, the big one, whatever you call it. I want to call it Gigantosaurus, but I know that's not right. Um, <laughs> I agree. Speaking of Notosaurus, it took me forever to learn how to pronounce that one. <laughs> but uh, when, when it uh, bites around the ladder, that was yep. pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> I loved when it, when it bit the, the fire. The, the he shoved the burning yes. locust like way down the fucker's throat. It was like ah, it was like a big dragon. Like <laughs> that was uh-huh. speaking of which, can I let's talk about those burning locusts? It's like how long is a locust supposed to be able to be stay set on fire? Yeah, like was I was weird. like wondering why is this a big like, deal that the locusts are flying out? It's like oh because they're gonna they're gonna st- it started a ginormous forest fire. I mean, if you were on fire, wouldn't you want to fly away? No, I mean, you would. I just didn't know how long they were going to survive. Uh, and by the way, this is where, like, I didn't necessarily, in the, in the end, mind so much the, the whole locust subplot because, man, it was such a MacGuffin-y MacGuffin because, like, they're, like, the most important thing ever for 15 minutes of the movie. 
and then they're really hardly a factor until they set the forest on fire? Well, and here's I mean, the thing, though. Uh, we needed that 15 minutes back. This movie was way too long. <laughs> I needed it long. We needed to develop the other dinosaur characters better. I wanted oh, a bigger Dilophosaurus okay. scene. I want more scenes with the yeah, with the the uh, whatever the the fuzzy raptor was. Uh, <laughs> the raptor. What is that thing? It is a velociraptor. I mean, that's they a lot closer it, what they would have looked like. They call it pyroraptor. You're talking about the one on the ice, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they call okay. it pyroraptor. Um, my friend Bruce was talking to me about one of the most interesting things in that scene was. And he wasn't sure, like, how he felt about it because he was almost like, I'm not sure if this was, like, they did this intentionally or if, like, they messed up on the special effects. But he said it was cool when it first dove under the ice because its movements were sort of very otter-like, you know, the way it swam and everything. But then once Owen fell in the water, it was moving more like a fish. And Bruce was like a creature that, is built that way is either going to do one or the other and maybe not necessarily both. But anyway, I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked that creature. I thought he was pretty cool and scary. Yeah. There was the Atrociraptors, I think were the ones uh, in the market scene. Yeah. Those, and, yeah. man, you talk about well-trained, you know, it's just like you know, one person, one fucker with a laser pointer and your, your day is over. It's they just, apparently, they apparently they had stop. names. Those Atrociraptors all had names too, apparently. But we never got well, to hear them. Apparently, they used some. Uh, they used some uh, cat DNA in those. And I gotta say, credit, credit to the credit, credit to the uh, credit to the lady in white who's got her the laser pointer in her hands behind her head, looking the other way, and somehow yeah. manages. To tag Chris, Chris Pratt as he's racing out of the building, and the Atrociraptors see it. <laughs> right. They made it seem like the laser was something they smelled yeah. or sensed, not like saw. It was just like they could sense it anywhere, and they'd chase you down forever. I, I, I didn't quite understand the whole concept, because I know, I know they use lasers to paint targets in the military, but I believe that's to give the missile a precise coordinate to aim for. Not just like, I don't think it works on moving objects. Well, I assume it's, it's, it's simply a pointer to say, there's your target, attack it. And then they attack whatever, you know, whatever you've tagged. Um, And it makes sense because I'm, there's a lot of assumption that being, you know, bird relatives, that they were probably very heavily visual hunters. Like a cat, mm-hmm. so I so that kind of makes sense to me, and I think this is taken to a a degree that I would I would say silly, uh, but you know it, it's an excuse for why is it that this thing keeps hunting down uh, right, right. them through the city? Now they were really good at it, you know, jumping through walls and over balconies, but I mean that was a really neat exciting scene. Did you, did you pick up, what was it the Carnotaurus was fighting? Uh, it was a, um, an Allosaurus. It was an Allosaurus. Okay, I wasn't yeah. sure about that. I noticed it had the eyes, like the, the, the triangles over the eyes, the eye ridges. 
Well, uh, it was an Allosaurus, and also in that first shot, when we first descend into the market, they have the two, you know, little baby dinosaurs, the juveniles, like having like a cockfight thing. That mm-hmm. was an Allosaurus and a juvenile Baryonyx, I think. I think we got a Baryonyx that, just later in the film. I, honestly, yeah. if there were... If there were dinosaurs in the world, that's something that people would fucking do. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. And I liked, you know what else I liked about that market scene, too? I loved where the dude, there's a guy there with, like, these spits, and he's cooking things. And, like, he's like, oh, you know what? And I was like, oh, my God, are they cooking the fucking dinosaurs? Like, and then they are. They are. are. They are. And I was like, damn. But like when it first, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't really get to look at the pieces on the spits. It just looked like chicken or something. So then when I went back the second day, I made a point to look at it and I went, oh my God. Yeah, they are cooking the fucking dinosaurs. That shit don't look like no chicken. I'm like, (laughs) no, that was pretty awesome. I was like, that's pretty cool. So I think they did do some fun things with this. I mean, like I said, though, I don't think it was a great movie, but it was still fun. So, you know, and I think we're all fans of the franchise. There's not a movie in this franchise that I did not enjoy seeing the first time. This might uh, be the one that I enjoyed the least the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. See, I, was, uh, I, was, I didn't like Lost World, but all the others okay. I at least enjoyed the first time. So, but there's see, because Lost World, like, I don't care how silly it was and how stupid so much of it was. I I, I got a kick out of the San Diego sequence. I think the again the 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 bus going over the 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 ridge was a really good yeah, the end, the end part there, was, there was, was good. You're, you're there, was some, there were some fantastic sequences with a lot of stupid stuff mixed in. Um, a lot of terrible characters. I think, you know, the same thing. I think like the, you finally got the aviary scene in the third film. You got the Spinosaurus yeah. versus the T-Rex. You got uh, Alan Grant talking to a Velociraptor on the plane, which might not have been okay. That might not have been the best one. Um, <laughs> you know, all of these, you had some really cool dinosaur moments, and that's all I need to enjoy out of a Jurassic Park. It would be nice if they could all reach the height of the first film or come closer to it, that they had a better, tighter story, and they just keep having to, as I said earlier, they have to come up with reasons for, okay, they barely survived with their lives. They've been tr- seriously traumatized. <laughs> How do we get them to go back? What convoluted excuse can we come up with? And it's Jeff Goldblum's well, ex-wife is a, is, is there you're, taking pictures. If you're going to assign the original Jurassic Park um, as the original Jaws level of the franchise, then this one was Jaws 4. Mm, I don't know if I could go there. <laughs> People, I liked Jaws 4, just saying. But, well, you also like Jaws 3D, so what do you I know? love Jaws 3D. <laughs> ah, I love it. Uh-huh. That's, that's the question, then. Which I haven't Park? seen three or four of Jaws, so I guess I'd like to. Which, which Jurassic Park is Jaws 3D? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the third yeah. of the original trilogy. That is really a hard question to answer. I, I, actually, I actually have to think I would actually go with Jurassic World because it's the one set in an amusement park. Mm, mm. 
Oh, I thought you meant quality-wise, not, 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 not plot-wise. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of close. You still have that, you know, not as good as the original. Um, yeah, but you have the... Let me think. You have the... Uh, well, I don't know. You, also, though, you have the great white shark having a baby shark that could put, put it into two with the baby raptor. Not baby, baby raptor, baby shark. Baby shark. Sorry. Oh, fuck you. Eric, 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 I have your phone number. I swear to God, if I can't get to sleep tonight, I am calling you. Call my little brother because he's the one that brought it to me. Walk the dinosaur. We're going to do that one on the way. Oh, Walk the Dinosaur. That's such a good song. Boom, boom. Shaka, laka, laka, boom. I showed that video to my kids uh, two days ago after we watched uh, the two Jurassic Park films because it's cool. Do you remember the film uh, last year, Scares of Care? You had the kid come in in the T Rex costume, and they <laughs> yeah. and and I think was it John Anderson who started playing somebody? One of the judges just started playing Walk Like a Dinosaur, and the kid just started busting moves on the on the stage. That's right. That's right. And he nice. and he and he ended up and he and he ended up winning the contest with this store bought T Rex costume because of him dancing to. Dance like a dinosaur. Nice. Or, or, or walk the dinosaur, or whatever the, the song <laughs> Anderson was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, anything else? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, I'm tired. Oh, what exactly yeah. was the weather system there? Because there's ice, and that they're yeah, running around I, with their shirts no, open. Like I didn't understand. Like I would understand if there's like a heating system in the at the plateau. Or the dinosaurs? I, I I don't I don't understand. Like all the dinosaurs were confined. Now they now the people left the facility. The dinosaurs were in the facility. So are they like responsible for running the facility from now on? How does this work? Did they suddenly stop wanting to eat each other now? What about all the other I was animals? A little that were bit, the- I was a little bit confused by. I will say this. Um, maybe one of you guys can answer this. The containment, you know, oh, I will say the scenes where, um, and then I'll get to, I'll get back to this, but I'll do it really quick. I loved the tableaus of the fiery locusts and stuff burning and falling out of the sky and the dinosaurs just roaring in these like tableaus because it was like they deliberately, you know, kind of shot that to make it look like all of those wonderful end of the world, you know, with the meteor uh, with the asteroid hitting, like that we always see in the paleo art, I really did like that, um, and especially the shot where they're all moving across the water, like all the dinosaurs are in the water and they're moving toward the containment. But my question was that they were like, "Oh, we're moving them to emergency shelter," and they're all going toward this courtyard, right, where eventually there's going to be the final battle among the three dinosaurs. And I just kind of sat there and said, where did all these dinosaurs go? Because they were all supposed to go into this courtyard. Was there like another like sub area that opened up or something that they went into? Because maybe I missed it. It just didn't seem almost, big enough. I almost think like they, 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 they didn't think this all the way through. Almost. It's almost like. Almost. I did this do at the box office. Uh, it did awesome. It, uh, oh, it did uh, amazing! Yeah, uh, 145 million over the weekend. 
What a yeah. shame that they aren't ever going to make another movie yeah. and just leave all that money laying there. It said, uh, here it is. It says, uh, the film has grossed $449 million worldwide, making it the fifth highest grossing film of 2022, so, at least so far. Uh, received generally negative reviews from critics who criticize the screen, blah, blah, blah. But many claiming it had run its course. Uh, but yeah, yeah so uh, it's, uh, it's going to make huge money. It could be number one by uh, two weeks from now, probably. So what do you do for the next one? Uh, maybe you don't. If they go this route, I don't know. Well, they're going to because we know they're they're yeah, not going to be able to help. Yeah, and this themselves. is the part of Hollywood I hate is is that that you're right. They're going to make another one because it will make shit tons of money. Yeah. And I wish they'd just stop. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll, or, or, I'll, I'll, I'll always point out you know? if you like that little art house film that was that was paid for by the boutique label of Universal or whatever. The reason that they can afford those boutique label art house films is because of movies like Jurassic World that they just go, okay, we're going to hide our artistic heads in shame and just, just we're going to put out the, the world's biggest Big Mac and then we're going to make the niche films built stop they are you, you do not match up with the average movie no i was going to say some of those art house films suck too so oh yeah they do but if you like them a lot that's, of art house films but i'm saying is that's that those films like those oscar winning films that maybe don't make as much at the box office you know that don't cost much but they also don't make much but a lot of them they can take a risk on losing those money okay, because they're talking specific well, about award my, films. my problem my problem though mike I understand what you're saying, but my problem is that uh, the prevalence of the blockbuster has become such that a lot of those smaller films aren't even getting theatrical releases anymore. Um, so you have to track them down, um, and and that's the part that bugs me. Yeah, and, and part of that, unfortunately, again, I think um, it's like the people who blame McDonald's because – people getting fat it's like well a lot of that has to do with the people ordering the fucking mcdonald's you know mcdonald's offered supersized fries because people wanted more fries um i'm not saying that they're like that mcdonald's was ever like well you see mike completely brilliant. they were so blindsided. they were so busy trying to figure out if they could they never they stopped never. to consider if they should but it's like I said, it goes every, it goes each way. In this case, it's the come on, man. People, that was a callback. I get it. I got it. It's what <laughs> people. It's what the people want. People saw their dinosaurs. They saw dinosaurs have come back to life. They saw there's dinosaurs on an island, and they didn't give a shit what Ian Malcolm had to say uh, in his little stuttering, stammering way of uh, uh, you know. Must run faster. Uh, uh, don't go back. Don't go there. Don't go there. Uh, 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 don't do that. And they said, no, no, we do that. We do that. We want a park. We want the open park. I want to be able to ride in a glass ball among the dinosaurs. And I want to do that. And then people complained. All anybody wants to do is go see dinosaurs. And nobody wants any other kind of entertainment. Well, that's, that's the people's choice, man. Well, I did say I really did enjoy... There was one line Ian Malcolm had, first of all, when the two women were down there with all the smoldering, um, you know, the smoldering locusts, that was such a callback to Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with the bugs. I mean, the way the line was structured, the way they, you know, the lines were scripted, the way they were sort of moving through. And then Ian is like, 
Skulk. Why are they skulking? I don't know. That line just cracked me right up. I was like, that is funny. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> that I feel so, made me laugh. I feel so yeah. horrible and, and slightly racist because we've completely ignored, like, the one, one character in the film, which was his the, the guy working on the inside. Because I was watching this when we were still in sort of James Bond mode. And you basically had that scene where he was like, we have to figure out a way to to get away and get to the get to the lab. And he says, all right, so I think I'll let you wander around the facilities all on your own now. Yeah. Please stay away from those elevators over there that lead to the top secret experiments you're not allowed to see. Thank you very much on the world's most helpful evil villain. Um, and and then you find out that he's the guy on the inside because I, my right, right. my eyes were rolling so freaking hard about that. I was like, my plan to take over the world is cooperation, and it's just I was like, oh my god, that is the lamest thing ever. But they they I I got to give them credit because they they found they 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 gave it justification for him helping them and that he was trying to help them all along. Well, and I and he does talk about he is a big they did actually justify that because right. when they get off the plane, he's talking about how much he worships Ian and how much he loves Ian. Like, clearly, he has some although I will say I love Ian's book because it was clearly self-published. That is the worst book cover I've ever seen. I was like, well, clearly that's self-published. So that was kind of amusing to me because it kind of says. Ian's this big famous guy. He can kind of do whatever he wants. Um, but let's, I let's think, be honest. What Ian should have had is the is the picture of himself reclined with his shirt open. Yes, yes, totally. But it sold but, more copies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, I don't know. And the other thing, what do you guys think of the female pilot? I liked her. I, I thought she was I, okay. I, I think she did crash. Well, I did like that. Well, that wasn't her fault, Mike. They did. They did give us a little bit of her backstory without really going into it. Like you saw a flash of a picture, you know, of either like a happy couple or maybe her and her daughter. You didn't see it quick enough, but on her dashboard of her plane and you kind of got the sense that, okay, she lost someone and that's why she's helping them. And then there's a second kind of there's actually two more sort of very subtle things where it's in the eyes where like you can see, okay, there's a deeper reason here that she's not talking about. And I know that they have said they meaning people in Hollywood. I was reading some timelines today that this is not the end. Like they are definitely oh, planning yeah. on doing something else. So they may be saving story for her later, but the only problem I had was that, again, it was the stereotypical, like, pilot with the shitty plane. Like, wouldn't it have been cool if we had a pilot who was actually... She was, she was basically Han Solo, right? Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we get that so much now. Like, I would love to see a pilot that's, like, so neat and clean that she, you know, maybe and, and then something the, a little different. And then at the end, it's like, we can't, we don't know how to thank you. You could buy me a new plane... Would you like a brand new plane? <laughs> now I just like another shitty plane to replace the shitty plane I had. And apparently the right. government guy didn't understand sarcasm. Um, <laughs> so, I was actually pleasantly surprised she survived through the film 
because it was clearly Me too. I, I, was, I was getting I am here to get you from point A to point B. We've arrived at point B. What should I do now? Oh look, there's a hungry dinosaur. <laughs> right, right. No, because here's the thing. Through most of the movie, um, I mean, most of the scenes where our main characters are, are getting threatened by dinosaurs, I'm not really nervous because their plot armor is thicker than anything. Uh, yeah. We know we're not going to Dr. Grant get eaten by a T-Rex, right? Um, but, but like, she was new. And when she was hanging out in that helicopter while the dinosaurs I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but I think that, again, goes back to that. It's a four families film, whether we would have liked it to be more mature, meaning we would have liked to see it maybe be a little bit more horror movie-ish. Um, it's because, I, you're right, at no point did I even think that any of these characters could die. And when you think about it, they we all know this was the end of the story for all of these characters. They could kill off any of them if only to give them sort of a farewell, a closing, have get, add emotional impact, give them the Obi-Wan Kenobi sacrifice something to add a little bit more of an emotional tug at your heartstrings. But yeah, I never for a moment considered that, that, Certainly not Ian, and that 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 Alan Grant was going to die, that Ellie was going to die. I didn't think any of them was going to die. Not even the annoying girl. They never thought for a moment they were going to kill her off, and they should have multiple <laughs> speaking, times. Speaking of the annoying girl, Mike, can you clarify for me if this whole plan they had had any basis in scientific fact? I don't whole, know what uh, plan. The the plan to take the girl and the locust and uh and like figure out how to infect the locusts to make them die. Well, I mean, this isn't exactly a new thing. Bill, you mentioned the, um, the, uh, the rabbits in Australia, those were controlled by a virus. You know, uh, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's not, so they're doing like retroviral DNA that that's a thing, but there's, and you use the virus to deliver it, but would, you know, would just, they have needed the girl though? No, yeah, they wouldn't have needed the girl. I don't think. Uh, I don't know that they okay. could have gotten it because so. this is like, it's kind of like you know, if you find the dead body with the bullet in it, it doesn't tell you how to make a gun. <laughs> That's a great analogy. I like that. And so they found that the girl who has the effect, right? That they altered her DNA, and that's, right, that's, that's just, what I was thinking. And that's yeah, just yeah. gene therapy, and, you know, this is a thing. It's not like we needed dinosaurs to do it. We've, I mean, they're living in a parallel world where I guess they just thought the best way to do genetics was dinosaurs, and here in our world, we've been doing it on genetic medicine and Monsanto doing crops and all this other stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean kind of, sort of. I don't think it's entirely necessary, and I will say it's the, the, the plot was one of the I mean, we've seen a lot of stupid James Bond plots over the years, but the we're going to make insects that will destroy all the food in the world but ours. It's like, well, you do understand that, like, as soon as... I mean, it's not like it's subtle, right? <laughs> Some like, people might every, be upset with you. <laughs> and every government in the world will just sit there and have to take it. Right. They're not going to, like, shoot anybody over this. 
and there's no chance of a bug deciding, hey, you know, mutating afterwards and deciding, I like the Monsanto food, too. And, oh, no, the entire world now starves to death. Well, this was a dumb plan. Uh, so, yeah, yeah it, was, it was the whole thing. This is this is this is this is like deep, deep level conspiracies level stupid. Um the kind of thing that no rational person could believe, but I know lots of irrational people would believe that, no, man, this is really what the companies are trying to do, man. This is it, man. They're all out to get you, man. And it's like, okay. Well, uh, not to that extent. But to a certain not extent. Not to that extent. No, the way they get you to buy their food, else? they make it tastier. All right, so... Uh, Unless uh, someone else has anything else to say, I think we can wrap it up, right? Anyone? Yeah. All right, so let's uh, wrap it up. Uh, since uh, we've been recording for about two hours, uh, uh, we'll just get straight into our final thoughts. But uh, a couple of housecleaning things first. Uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy, Dan? I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you got this one. And Barrett, me, you, Sean Fox, uh, and a couple of random co-hosts maybe are, are doing a, a theme month for another podcast? Yes, we're doing LGBTQ month, um, a Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews. Uh, two weeks ago, we did Ride or Die. This last week, we did Bear. Um, I cannot think of the movie we're going to be the name of the movie we're going to be doing this week, but uh, we're watching lesbian art house films. I think it's called. Uh, I think it's called Adored, maybe. I think yeah, that called. sounds right. Yeah, the but, uh, bear. Yeah. yeah, but bear is a B A R E, Eric, not B E A R. And oh, speaking of the bears, Eric. So I'm in the forest with my dog at lunch today, and, and <laughs> something jumps out of the trees. I, I literally freaked because I thought it was a bear, but thank God it was a deer. It was almost, I almost had <laughs> hey, a massive coronary. You're like, you're like Chief Brody and he keeps going into the water. It's just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. It's true. You just. Yeah, that is true. That's true. Anyway. So, um, you, you, you have got um, to stop going into the woods. Now, uh, Mike, um, uh, me, you, and Eric are about to start a new podcast, or, or, or restart a new a podcast. We are about to restart an old podcast, and you can hear in his voice in that 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 orgasmic sigh that Eric is just brimming with excitement over it. Um, <laughs> and that is the Bullets, Brothels, and Bots podcast, which is the going to be looking at the upcoming fourth season of Westworld on. HBO and HBO whatever. Um, so that that's going to be coming very soon. Just a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks. And uh, the positive, Eric, it does have a good cast. The question is, is the writing. Well, yeah. yeah I just, by the end of season three, I, I was really not enjoying the show anymore. I would love nothing better than if they turned it around and brought it back to being an excellent show. I just... Uh, Past experiences told me not to have my hopes up. Yeah, and that's a fair point. Uh, also, um, uh, Barrett, myself, you, and Mike and Sean Fox just wrapped up a podcast? Yeah, Cortana's Communiques. Uh, it's 
based on the Halo TV show that was on Paramount Plus. Um, you can get it where this podcast is found. That's right. And uh, Chrissy, you do things. I do. Um, I have a dark literary magazine called 34 Orchard. And also, you, I do write a lot of short stories and stuff like that. You can find out more about me at com. All right, sounds good. So uh, let's get into our final thoughts on this film here. So uh, let's start with you, Chrissy. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much said um, everything at the beginning. Um, I mean, I really think if you love dinosaurs, this is definitely for you. This is the dinosaur orgy that most of us who are fans have all been waiting for. Um, I do feel like, you know, it's not perfect, um, but I mean, shit. If you want to go have a good time and you can just relax and enjoy the dinosaurs and if you really want to see Ellie and Grant finally get to kiss, um, if you like some romance, there there are a couple deeper themes in there if you want to look for them. Um, if you can get past some of the heavy-handed stuff, I think it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, if you go to AMC Theaters, you can spend nineteen ninety nine and get the Jurassic World Dominion giant popcorn bucket which you can then keep and use as a little trash can which is what i'm doing with it in my office so consider that too all right so that's my thoughts yes see it don't let the critics decide decide for yourself if you want if you if you're going to see this don't let anything deter you just go have fun and figure it out later all right sounds good uh let's go with you barrett yeah i enjoyed this film uh if you like dinosaurs it's a fun film uh as you can hear from the podcast, it is not a perfect film, but uh, if you're just going for an action ride with lots of dinosaurs, I think you'll enjoy it. All right, sounds good. Uh, Eric? Um, there's like 45 minutes to an hour of, of fun movie here. Uh, unfortunately, it runs two hours and 26 minutes. Um I thought it was too long and there was too much stupid for me personally. Uh, clearly I'm in the minority, uh, given the audience score. Um, but, but yeah, um, I, I thought I had huge story problems, uh, and they bugged me enough that I ended up not really enjoying the movie personally. All right. So it's good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah, it didn't occur to me until Mike brought up the point that, the reasons the dinosaurs aren't being the villain in a franchise that you would think they would be the villain, especially the, the carnivores. And just for natural reasons, they want to eat everything um, is because of a message. And that surprised me and uh, explained some of my, I guess, disappointment uh, that I felt in this film here. So uh, I didn't, enjoyed that much at all uh but uh my daughter a six-year-old thought it was great so uh it is uh fun for the kids uh if they're at the appropriate age uh let's go with you mike and uh more the, here's the thing that not only do they want your children to see this movie they would like for daddy to then take them to walmart and they can buy the latest of jurassic park action figures they do have uh yeah, legos they did the, the lego action yeah, oh, figure. Oh, oh, oh yeah they, they, and uh the Happy Meal, McDonald's Happy Meals. And, oh, and don't forget the pillows, blankets, pajamas, uh, bubble bath, and everything else that's sold for Jurassic Park. 
which they can do because they made the movie appropriate for children. Uh, <laughs> the message here is that dinosaurs sell. Um, but yeah, if uh, look, I, I, I know myself. I know myself. I like dinosaurs. Now, if I've got a couple hours to spare and I want to watch some really good dinosaur shit, uh, I'm going to watch Prehistoric Planet on Apple TV. But once you've done that, if you want to see dinosaurs on a big screen, then you can go see Jurassic World Dominion, colon Dominion, Dominion, Dominion of the colon, something like that. And and if the, the things like story matter to you or coherence, eh, maybe you skip it. But if things with, with scaly things or feathery things with giant sharp pointy teeth eating human beings is the thing that you are most concerned with, this will be a good movie for you. All right, sounds good. So, uh, once again, uh, this is Jurassic World Dominion, available right now at your local theater. You can see it on IMAX, 3D, all sorts of versions, or just the regular screen as well. Uh, it'll be there for some time, probably. Uh, though, who knows, when you listen to this podcast, some people find this podcast a year and a half later, it'll definitely be on VOD and Meteor and all that, too. So, oh, no, it's uh, still going to be in theaters. It's making a fortune. It'll be in theaters forever. No, I mean, like, can it? Well, there you go. Um, all right, so uh, that's pretty much it. So, uh, we'll, with that, I guess, uh, Eric, why don't you do this one? All right. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about Jurassic World colon Dominion. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Boom, boom, shaka laka laka, boom, 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 oh, shaka laka, boom, Chris, boom. Chrissy? Oh, sorry.
black dude next to a tree. 